talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong with black We've all seen it. If not seen it, then most likely have heard or read about it. I'm talking about the picture many of us have known as the expressionless. And if you're a fan of creepypastas, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. If not, you can go to our Instagram, Weird History Retails Pod, which you can find the link on this episode's show notes to take a look at what I'm talking about. And as ominous and disturbing as the picture may seem, it's actually just a wax dummy that's being held by two student nurses in training during the late 50s and early 60s. But it gave life to one of the most disturbing and important creepypastas to date. And welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eretos Podcast. I am your host Moses Soria and today I am by myself. And even though I am by myself and this week is going to be a short episode... Don't worry, and just think of it as a teaser for next week when me and the boys are back in town, where we're going to discuss famous pictures from history and give a little background on them. So stay tuned for that, but for now, sit back and enjoy the creepypasta that spawned from one of the creepiest vintage pictures of the 20th century. In June 1972, a woman appeared in Cedar sinai Hospital in nothing but a white, blood-covered gown. Now this, in itself, should not be too surprising, as people often have accidents nearby and come to the nearest hospital for medical attention. But there were two things that caused the people who saw her to vomit and flee in terror. The first being that she wasn't exactly human. She resembled something close to a mannequin, but had the dexterity and fluidity of a normal human being. Her face was as flawless as a mannequin's, devoid of eyebrows and smeared in makeup. There was a kitten clamped in her jaw so unnaturally tight that no teeth could be seen, and the blood was still squirting out over her gown and onto the floor. She then pulled it out of her mouth, tossed it aside, and collapsed. From the moment she stepped through the entrance to when she was taken to a hospital room and cleaned up before being prepped for sedation, she was completely calm, expressionless, and emotionless. The doctors thought it best to restrain her until the authorities could arrive, and she did not protest. They were unable to get any kind of response from her and most staff members felt too uncomfortable to look directly at her for more than a few seconds. But the second the staff tried to sedate her, she fought back with extreme force. Two members of staff had to hold her down as her body rose up on the bed with that same blank expression. She turned her motionless eyes towards the male doctor, 
did something unusual. She smiled. As she did, the female doctor screamed and let go out of shock. In the woman's mouth were not human teeth, but long, sharp spikes. Too long for her mouth to close fully without causing any damage. The male doctor stared back at her for a moment before asking, What in the hell are you? She cracked her neck down to his shoulder to observe him, still smiling. There was a long pause. The security had been alerted and could be heard coming down the hallway. As he heard them up sinking her teeth into the front of his throat, ripping out his jugular and letting him fall to the floor, gasping for air as he choked on his own blood. She stood up and leaned over him, her face coming dangerously close to his as the light faded from his eyes. She leaned closer and whispered in his ear, The doctor's eyes filled with fear as he watched her calmly walk away to greet the security man. His last sight ever would be watching her feast on them one by one. The female doctor who survived the incident named her the Expressionless. And she was never seen again. Another famous photograph that has confused the world is that of Mary Reeser and her apartment after a mysterious fire. Called the Cinder Woman, the story of Mary Reeser of St. Petersburg, Florida goes like this. On July 2nd, 1951, Reeser's landlady, Pansy Carpenter, dropped by her apartment to deliver a telegram. When Carpenter arrived, nobody answered, so she put her hand on the doorknob and found it to be unusually hot so naturally she called the police. Police arrived at the apartment located at 1200 Cherry Street to find 67-year-old Mary Reeser burned to death in a mysterious fire. Reports said that her body was disintegrated by a blaze of white hot intensity. Not much of Reeser remained. There was one slippered foot, which curiously showed no signs of charring, as well as part of her spine. A piece of her skull remained that was described as shrunken. Though the apartment was very warm when the police arrived, the majority of it remained intact. Plastic household objects near the seat Reeser was sitting in had softened and lost shape, but the rest of the room was seemingly unaffected by the flames that engulfed Barry Reeser. The rug had a scorched mark on it and a chair and end table as well. But since it requires three or four hours of temperatures of around 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit for a body to be cremated, the case baffled authorities. Due to the mysterious circumstances of the case, it's been suspected that Reeser was a victim of spontaneous human combustion. This is when a person bursts into flames from a chemical reaction in their body without any apparent ignition of an external heat source. 
Though there have been accounts of alleged human combustion since 1663, not all scientists are convinced. Chief Cass Burgess was the detective on Razor's case at the time. This fire is a curious thing, he told reporters. Burgess and his team sent boxes of material from the apartment to the FBI lab in Washington, D.C. for chemical analysis. Some of the materials included a portion of the rug, rubble from the walls, and segments of the chair Reeser was sitting in at the time of her death. The public was infatuated with the case as well. Coroner Ed Silk reported that at least 15 amateur detectives had phoned him with their theories. The detective team put out a statement saying that it was an accidental death by fire of unknown origin. Burgess said that it didn't mean they were concluding the investigation, they were just putting out a release so that a burial could take place. The FBI determined that Reeser's death wasn't the result of spontaneous human combustion. However, the actual cause does remain a mystery. The FBI believed that Mary Reeser's own body fat provided the fuel for the fire that consumed her after possibly lighting a cigarette and falling asleep. She was set on fire and once the body became ignited, almost complete destruction occurred from its own fatty tissues. It is true that human fatty tissue is highly combustible, even more so in heavier people, and Reeser was a robust woman, weighing a little over 170 pounds. So while the FBI's explanation had a certain logic to it, it only provided a partial explanation, as certain anomalies remained. For instance, a pile of newspapers stacked next to Reeser's chair remained completely unscorched. Dr. Wilton M. Krogman, a professor of physical anthropology at the University of Pennsylvania and an experienced fire researcher, disagreed with the FBI's conclusion. Krogman wrote that of all of the fire deaths he had investigated, I cannot conceive of such complete cremation without more burning of the apartment. But it's been almost 70 years since Mary Reeser died, and we still don't have a clue as to how she really died. Was it spontaneous human combustion? Did she accidentally light herself on fire? But given how long it's been since her death, it seems that the true cause of death of Mary Reeser has gone up in smoke. As her last wish, Evelyn McHale didn't want anyone to see her body, but the photo of her death has lived on as the most beautiful suicide. Evelyn McHale's dying wish was that no one saw her body. She wanted her family to remember her the way she was before she jumped off the 86th floor observation deck of the Empire State Building. Evelyn never got her wish. Four minutes after her body landed on a United Nations limousine, a photography student named Robert Wiles ran across the street and snapped the photo that would become world famous. 
The photo of the student snapped shows Evelyn McHale looking almost peaceful, like she could be sleeping, lying cradled in a mess of crumpled steel. Her feet are crossed at the ankles and her gloved left hand rests on her chest, clutching her pearl necklace. Looking at the image without context, it looks like it could be staged, but the truth is much darker than that. And the photo became famous around the world. Since being taken on May 1st, 1947, the photo has become infamous, with Time Magazine calling it the most beautiful suicide. Even Andy Warhol used it in one of his prints, Suicide. But who is Evelyn McHale? Though her death is infamous, not much is known about Evelyn McHale's life. Evelyn was born on September 20th, 1923 in Berkeley, California, to Helen and Vincent McHale as one of eight brothers and sisters. Sometime after 1930, her parents divorced and the children all moved to New York to live with their dad, Vincent. In high school, Evelyn was part of the Women's Army Corps and was stationed in Jefferson City, Missouri. Later, she relocated to Baldwin, New York to live with her brother and sister-in-law, and that's where she lived until her death. She worked as a bookkeeper at the engraving company on Pearl Street in Manhattan, and that's where she met her fiancé, Barry Rhodes, who was a college student discharged from the United States Army Air Force. And according to reports, Evelyn McHale and Barry Rhodes intended to get married at Barry's brother's house in Troy, New York in June 1945, but their wedding never came. As far as the events leading up to Evelyn McHale's suicide, even less is known. The day before her death, she had visited Rhodes in Pennsylvania but he claimed that all was well upon her departure. The morning of her death, she arrived at the observation deck of the Empire State Building, removed her coat, and placed it neatly over the railing, and penned a short note found beside the coat. Then, Evelyn jumped off the 86th floor observatory, landing on top of a parked car. According to police, a security guard was standing only 10 feet away from her when she jumped. The note, found by a detective, didn't give much insight into why she had done it, but asked that her body be cremated. I don't want anyone in or out of my family to see any part of me, the note read. Could you destroy my body by cremation? I beg of you and my family. Don't have any service for me or remembrance for me. My fiancé asked me to marry him in June. I don't think I would make a good wife for anybody. He's much better off without me. Tell my father I have too many of my mother's tendencies. Keeping with her wishes, her body was cremated and she had no funeral. The photo, however, has lived on for 70 years and is still regarded as one of the best photographs ever taken. The image of her body on the car, taken by Robert Wiles, has been compared to the photograph by Malcolm Wilder Brown of the self-immolation of Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Quang Duc, who burned himself alive at a busy road intersection on June 11, 1963. 
which is another photograph that's highly regarded as one of the best in history. Ben Cosgrove of Time described the photo as technically rich, visually compelling, and downright beautiful. He said her body looked more like it was resting or napping rather than dead. It looks like she's laying there, daydreaming of her beauty. <laughs>